Ladies and gentlemen, this is your tea time champion, Theo Ivory, and you are now listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. What's going on, everybody? This is the super fly guy, Trayvon Jordan. And this is the fly side flyer, Jalen Brandon. And we collectively known as Waves and Curls, and you are listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. Hi, this is Billy Starks, and you're listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. This is Little Mean Kathleen, and you're listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. Hey, Pyromaniacs. This is the unbreakable Sean Phoenix, and you're listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. Hey, guys. It's the immaculate threat, Nevaeh Chantel, and you are listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. Hello, 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 and welcome to the show. It's Wrestling with Entertainment, bringing you the latest exclusive breaking news, previewing and reviewing the latest search from WWE, AEW, and New Japan every Saturday, and interviewing the hottest in, uh, independent wrestlers every Wednesday. I am your host, James J., alongside Coleco Yachts. Black History Month fact of the day. The George Foreman grill was actually slated to Hulk Hogan, and he passed it up. And George Foreman took it, and the rest is history. And Scooter Dust. Oh, let me to rescue. I'm sorry, I said that backwards. Hello, I'm Scooter Dust. <laughs> And it's a great day for wrestling, because we are wrestling with the Immaculate Dread, Navea Chantel. How are you? Hey guys, what's up? I'm good, thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. And Pleasure's ours. What's coming up for you, and where can we find you on social media? Well, you can find me on all social media platforms as Navea Chantel. Um, coming up, I have, you know, right now in wrestling, this spring for standing on wrestling. So that I'm excited for that. And also have some couple, be on to look out for my social media because I have some other things coming up. All right. Um, and you've been primarily working, uh, and all of your social media uh, handles will be in the description of the video, both on YouTube and Chatspot. Um, and you work for uh, a CCW, and we want wrestling uh, primarily. Could you maybe tell us your relationship yeah. with those uh, companies? Well, um, I've done WSU and Dojo Wars. Um, you know, I trained at the Monster Factory, um, but I was seeking new comp- like new competition, um, just like an alternative. So, you know, I started doing CZW Dojo Wars weekly for the pandemic. And then that led me to a spot on the WSU uh, show. Mm-hmm. Um, I've personally done some work uh, back in the day when I broke in uh, with WSU uh, because of where I trained the NYWC. Um, and I also know you've also done some work for VPW. Mm-hmm. as well um but 
when that the Monster Factory, run by the great Danny Cage, what is it like to be a student of Danny Cage? Um, he expects the most from his students. He wants us all to succeed and you know make a career in wrestling. Um, but he expects a lot from us. He holds us to a high standard, and as a student. As a student, you always feel that pressure to want to succeed and, you know, do right by your coach. So, um, but yeah, like he, it's pre- it's pressure, but it's pressure because he wants us to, to succeed. And what drew you specifically to CZW? Because I have my own connections to CZW there, uh, the great Ring answer, Larry Legend is uh, one of my best friends. But what what exactly drew you to CCW and essentially the Monster Factory out of all the schools you could have possibly trained at? Um, well, at the time, um, I was still new to the business, and I only really was wrestling out of my home fed because my home fed is the Monster Factory. Um. So when I started branching out, CZW seemed like the natural next step. Um, WSU growing up for me was always a, like a promote was one of the first promotions that I've ever watched. So that's kind of so I came to a WSU show, introduced myself um, to BJ Hyde, and that's how I started Dojo Wars. So that's kind of you yeah. know how with uh, with WSU you know, just. I'm going to ask just one more. Since, and it's it's hard because not many people know WSU outside of the, you know, you know past the, you know, I get Mississippi River for the, this point. It's mostly in East Coast. Uh, I just want to ask, you said you're a WSU fan. You saw them a long time ago. Have you ever seen Brittany Savage wrestle? Yes. I, I used to watch the original WSU. Like, I remember the cage match. Remember the cage match? Uh, it was Mia Yam. Yep. Any social... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so you know what the cage match was like. Uh, Alicia and, like, those girls. That's how I first started watching Jordan Grace. And what have been Bill? Mercedes and... Mercedes uh, Martinez. And Marty Bell and... Uh, yes. Um, my first... The first night, my first night in the business, the first match I ever announced was a WSU Spirit Championship match uh, between Brittany Savage and Tracy Brooks. Oh, I just love that personal connection. Uh, Not to mention, uh, Mercedes Martinez is still looking to get even with Scooter Dust, but that's another story for another time. Uh, oh, boy. Kaliko, uh, you have a question? <laughs> Yeah, um, mine's a two-part question, but first, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, My question is more in the sense of, because one thing that uh, captured my mind, that you actually helped me make, actually think of, was uh, during Black History Month. And it's funny, because we always talk about, you know, male Black wrestlers, and, and, and the fact that we, you know, they always talk about the male black wrestlers that made the impact. And one post that you show was like the, the, the four women that main evented the Madison Square Garden. You I know. never knew that until I saw that tweet. I never exactly. knew that. Yeah. And 
And what it got me to think was that that black women wrestlers in general, it, it almost feels like you're working damn near four times as hard just to, you know, get, get ahead. And um, my two-part question is, one, what are some of the trials and, and tribulations that that comes with being a black female wrestler? And then two, um, how does it feel that you feel, because it feels like it's like a tight-knit group. It's not a lot of black female wrestling, you know? So to be part of that sorority, for a lack of a, a, a better word, um, how does it feel that you're blazing a trail for black women in professional wrestling? Um, well, first, being a black woman in wrestling is hard because we're always compared to each other. Not only by fans, but by promoters. You know, it's always like, you know, there can be me and then there can be three other girls who have the same body type and every promoter wants to call us each other's names. Or they feel like, you know, we all have to wrestle each other and they get a hoss fight. Or it always has to be something where they always just think they can't, like, it's like sometimes, like, you don't have your own identity. It's just quota, black woman on my card, you know? Um, and in terms of being a part of sorority, it's weird, though, because every female black, mostly every female black wrestler I've, I've ever met has been so kind to me and automatically took me in as a sister. And I'm so grateful for that. Has always been nice to me, always been there for advice, has always been there, you know, hey, can you watch my match? They'll watch my match. Um, you know, I used to team up with Karen Bam Bam. She made me my first custom gear. Um, I wrestled, uh, teamed up with Anastasia Morningstar and me and her, you know, travel, you know, we took the train and we just, she just told me stories. So, um, Little things like that, I've always been grateful for because I'm the only Black African-American student at the Monster Factory, female. And so I always, even though I love my Monster Factory girls and I love my sisters at the Monster Factory, the girls I have on the Indies who are Black, it's just, just like a certain type of bond that you can't really Describe. compare it to. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I was speaking, we had an interview with uh, Waves and Curls a couple weeks ago, which you can hear on our network, but I was talking with them as well about the the stereotypes and stigmas of Black wrestlers, where if you're, if you're a Black male wrestler, you have to be a gangster, or you, you're either uberly serious or uberly playful, and you, there's no room in in between. And I feel like with Black women, it, it's either you're uberly mean or or uberly nice. And, and it doesn't give you a wiggle room to to develop as a character and, and to stand out. So how does, how does that challenge of trying to get your character to stand out, especially when, when the business is telling you, oh, Black woman, uber mean, because that's what society is deemed all black women just through, you know, media lens and so on and so forth. For me personally, I have decided that I'm not going to let somebody tell me who I am. And it took me a while to get to that point. Um, because I always was told, you know, you're 
you know, I'm a thicker girl, so I can be Awesome Kong. Well, Awesome Kong is amazing. Awesome Kong is a legend. Exactly. But there's only yeah. one Awesome Kong. I'm Nevea Chartel. Right. You know, okay, there's one Faye Jackson. There's one Karen Bam Bam. There's one Anastasia Morningstar. There's one, you know, all these black women, there's one of. And you can't ask another female black wrestler to repeat that that woman's um, character or repeat that woman who she is because I'm not that woman. I'm my own mm-hmm. person. So, you know, for that, it took me a couple of years, but I finally got to the point where I'm just going to be Nevaeh Chantel. And you're going to get the Nevaeh Chantel experience. You're going to get me authentically me and not me trying to pretend to be somebody. All right. And uh, just, you know, continuing with the struggles part, um, you know, we are in the pandemic era of wrestling. How has that, you know, affected your pro wrestling and, you know, going into a match knowing there's going to be no crowd? How do you approach a match um, differently? So, for me, it was, it's, for me, I thought, because I'm an introverted person in real life, like, so for me, I thought, oh, it'll be fine, but I have struggled a bit with no crowds, because I learned that I get the energy from the crowds. Right. Um, so, for me, I just think of trying to just put on a show in my head. Still perform in the moment, but know that my fans are still watching and I have to still perform like they're right there. And I have to be, you know, even more, um, what's the word I want? Proactive. Yeah, more proactive about just engaging with camera work. Because a lot of, there's now a lot of taping, so a lot of camera work has has to be engaging and, and... Make sure I'm vocal. Make sure my facials are right, and those type of things, right? That you don't have pre-pandemic. We kind of took for granted. I feel like as a performer, yeah, yeah, because you're always feeding to the crowd. But now you have to work the hard cam. You know, you have to work. Is it frustrating to you know have these like really good matches, and you know? having those matches and not having the crowd respond to them to, you know, take it to that next level to make it a great or incredible match. You know what I mean? Yes. Cause I, I can't talk about it yet, but I did have a taping with a, um, a wrestler recently who, who has, who has a pretty good name. And I just, that's the one thing I wish it was a crowd in front of, you know, and, because it, it was probably it was my first one of my first singles matches this year, and I wish that that singles match proud. You know, yeah. so that was kind of frustrating. I can imagine. I can't. Yeah, I can't say who was against, but it sucked. Like that one, like that kind of was. I was like, damn, I wish I could have that. Well, now I'm really curious, but <laughs> maybe I'll ask you off. Well, uh, Scooter, you have a question. Now, it is a difficult time for wrestling in this pandemic era. And just so you know, and everybody knows and is reminded, we do our research here. 
came across something very interesting that featured a that included on this roster a friend and former guest of the show, Davien. Something, uh, sort of a shoot off of CCW. And if you don't want to answer this, please say no comment and we will just move past it. The idea of what CCW is calling custom wrestling fantasies. Mm-hmm. Custom ordered matches. Right. Um, I noticed that there was one you did with Vanity, I believe. Yeah. And is that something you're maybe hoping kind of picks up to Um, supplement? And I'm really hoping it just when they say customer wrestling fantasy, it just it's just a wrestling match. Yeah, and not anything more. Right, so it is just wrestling. Um, God. Yeah, so also the the women who own the company give you a paper. If you're not comfortable with something, you don't have to do it. That is awesome. Um, yeah, so that, you know, I did it. Uh, at the time, I was still kind of early in my career, and I was still trying to, like, just get matched. Um, so I did it, and, like, they made me feel comfortable. I don't you know, shame any girl who wants to do customs. Um, for me, I did it, like I said, for match experience. Um, for, you know, just, you know, just to get out there more. And uh, like I said, the women who own it gave me a paper and they said, you know, what, what are you comfortable doing? And if I wasn't comfortable with something, I didn't have to do it. That is incredible. Always, always incredible to hear about such strong, you know, female uh, roles in the workplace, regardless of the industry. Right. Kaliko, you have a question? Yeah, uh, we do do our research. Another person that we uh, had a friend of the show, uh, Sir Theo Ivory Morgendorfer. I was waiting for this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. We we love we love him. Oh, Just, he's our oh, he's our boo. We we truly love him. Um, but one thing that I asked him about when we interviewed him was the importance of him uh, connecting to black wrestlers, um, especially during the pandemic, because the opportunities I feel are probably far and few between, especially for African American wrestlers and. And uh, just speaking your relations to that and having to take the opportunities that you get, because one of the quotes that I that I noticed that you had was the only difference between African-American people. Not I'm not going to butcher, but it's Viola Davis. quote. The only difference between African-American person and another person is the opportunity. So just speak within like. The struggle in the pandemic of if you had any of getting an opportunity and seizing on opportunity. So for me, that quote comes out of frustration um, because I feel like also, like I've set my training up during the pandemic. So I feel like I'm a much better wrestler than I was pre-pandemic. 
it's just my personal opinion. You know, you can watch my matches, you can judge for yourself. But I feel like I'm a better wrestler than I was pre-pandemic. So for me, it's just wanting to get the opportunity to prove that. And it's like you do, I feel like African-Americans do all they can. And sometimes we're not given that shot to say, listen, we can do just as much as everybody else. You know, um, black people, the, especially the talent right now in the African-American wrestling community is abundant. There's no reason why half these wrestlers aren't signed. You know, so for me, it's just like trying to fight that stigma of, yeah, I'm black. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thick, but I'm just as a star as any other, you know, skinny white girl that you could put on the cart. I can bring it. I know I can. I know I have a fan base. So give, just give me the opportunity to prove that I can be an asset to your company. You know, that's where I come from with that quote. Like, I know I, I can bring something to the table. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of talent right now on the scene that can do the same. Be just asking for the opportunity. Opportunity. Yep. And and that's very yeah, that's very intriguing, especially when you you spoke that you are um African American, you are a bigger girl. And and they try to like base it on your size and, and everything. And then when you see someone like a Piper Nevins who's, you know, just as thick, but is equally as mobile, and I feel like you guys are are neck and neck in talent. No, 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 you know. But right. just, I hope that you do get those opportunities because it's it's right. very far and few I just, between. Right. I just feel like sometimes for me, it's just that one match is going to be my breakout match, mm-hmm. and I just feel like not to sound religious, but just feel like God has a plan, and it's all going to work out. You know, That's a um, I always feel like I said, yeah, you know, just like, I just feel like I will have my, I, you know, I believe in manifestation and I know that before the end of this, the end of this year, I will have that breakout match. Mm-hmm. You know, um, who, what would happen? Who would it be against? I don't know, but I just know before the end of the year, I will have my breakout match. Well, going on breakout matches, could you tell us about your, about Mother Endless and your rivalry with her? Yeah, that was fun. That was <laughs> that was fun. Um, that mother endless feud was literally like uh, we're the t- two only girls that was on their roster, and we were given an opportunity, and it, we just ran with it. Um, the we want wrestling management people were just like you know, okay, guys, you guys, you know, this week you guys will do this. This week you guys will do this, and it was cool because it gave us the. It, for me, it was the first time I've had like a real feud um, in terms of every week having to build something new and reinvent the wheel. So it was a learning opportunity at the same time. Um, but Mother Illness is an amazing performer. Her character is literally one of the most unique things going today. Oh, yeah. Because um, no, yeah, no one is like Mother Illness. Um, and I want to wrestle her again. Like, we wrestled probably a good four times, but I want to wrestle her again because <laughs> I always feel like our chemistry is just cool as hell. And that's a shoot. Like, me and her have really good chemistry. So, definitely, the mother endless feud for me will always hold a special place in my heart. We had the false count anywhere match, um, which was really fun for me because I've never done a false count anywhere match. 
I done a candlestick match like with her. Uh, so I was able to explore the hardcore side of myself that I didn't know <laughs> I wanted to do. <laughs> but it was fun. Um, I love Mother Endless. She's such a cool competitor. It was cool to also have to deal with the uh, the uniqueness of her character and how that worked with me because she is is not a regular. It's not she's a supernatural entity. Well, <laughs> so it, it was cool. Um, and just a follow. Uh, well, I have a few follow up questions about that rivalry. Yeah. Um. First off, I she talks a lot of crap in the ring. Like she like talks as much as she wrestles. Is that distracting <laughs> to you? To uh, for people that's not uh uh that don't know, she just shook her head. <laughs> um. For me, that's not a distraction because uh, it fuels me, and I know that's her character, and it gives the, the for me it gives it a story, it, okay. it enhances the story. So for me, that's not a distraction. I I welcome that type of stuff because like I growing up, that's what I always loved about wrestling was the storytelling. So that's why for me, I enjoyed that part of her character. Second follow up question in that um that false count anywhere match how did you know putting your foot on the bumper of the car would create a rope break <laughs> wait what happened you she pinned you outside and you put your leg on the bumper of the car and the referee broke up the count you i honestly look, look <laughs> i watched it and I said you are not the first person who asked me about that and I have no idea how I knew about that I guess it's because I I don't know so I, I don't know I, it happened <laughs> it happened because I was watching that match and I was like okay well when did that's a rule of a don't uh, a false count anymore you put your foot on a bumper and it creates a uh, a book break, okay. They duly noted. <laughs> Everybody knows that, James. Come on. And uh, the, the last, uh, the last follow-up question: the the Singapore King match. Um, first off, I didn't uh, when I that was one of the first matches I saw researching you, and it kind of seemed like that match ended abruptly. Um, yeah. yeah. Could you maybe tell us why that kind of ended so abruptly like that? Um, I think because there was two matches, uh, candlestick matches. Um, and I don't know, honestly, I don't know why the other one didn't air. It was supposed to be a part of like a two-part storyline. So that one, um, it was it was another candlestick match that was supposed to air. That had a different finish as well, so I, I don't know why that one didn't air. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, Scooter, you have a question? Okay, I am a. I'm very particular when it comes to vocabulary, and the first thing that jumps out about Yunibea is. Your choice of the verbiage for your descriptor. Immaculate. Immaculate. Something that can't 
by all means and logic can't happen, but happens regardless. What made you choose specifically Immaculate to describe you? Well, exactly what you said. Um, I wasn't supposed to be a wrestler. I wasn't what they considered. I wasn't the most athletic. I wasn't the most traditional pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't what they wanted, I think, you know? I don't think the, indust- the industry... I didn't feel like when I first started wrestling that I belonged in wrestling. I felt like everything I've had in wrestling, I had to fight for. I, or fight for my place at the table. And someone said, well, somebody told me immaculate. And I really thought about it. And I was like, hmm. And then the threat part came because I felt like because of how I felt about it in terms of the word that, that I was a threat because I wasn't what they wanted or what they thought they wanted. It's, it's yes. almost a uh, in, in, in oxymoron in the most uh, in the most elaborate use I think I've ever heard in my life and I absolutely love that. Uh, yeah, just you know, the fact that one, one might assume that you know, the link between Immaculate and Nevaeh and by the way guys, if you haven't figured it out Nevaeh is killer, spelled backwards no, I'm kidding, it's <laughs> spelled backwards um, now did did Nevea uh, arrive before Immaculate or the other way around? So, honestly, I had my reigning for like two years before I was the Immaculate Threat. Um, I had my reigning a couple of years, a couple of months after I started training. I figured out my reigning and it literally was just like me and my cousin messing around with on the phone with a baby book. <laughs> and we just trying to figure out a name um, because my coach Danny, didn't, Danny Cage didn't like my original ring name. My original ring name was going to be Tatiana Shantai. He didn't like it, so I had to figure out something. Um, and me and my cousins just started playing around, and that's how we got the name. Uh, uh, may I borrow? May I borrow that name if I'm ever on Drag Race? Oh, oh my God! If you are on Drag Race with that name, I'll call. <laughs> <laughs> I will pop. Just look like the. Just look for the guy that looks like Brody Lee. Uh, Calico. Yeah. <laughs> I like that though. The immaculate heaven. The, you know, the immaculate veil. It's like the beautiful nightmare type of deal. Straight yeah. Beyonce ish type type of vibe. Uh, I always say that about Nevaeh Chantal. Like, she is my Sasha Fierce because I am really not like how I am. Like when you see me. Dress like I'm. I'm this. I'm like I. I wear no makeup and I wear sweatpants. That's what like the tight jeans and all that stuff you see on social media. That's my Sasha Fierce. That's like Nevaeh Chantel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Straight Jersey sun, get mad, break it. 
<laughs> exactly. I, oh God. I'm more Jersey than you, Kaliko. <laughs> you are. I'm from Atlanta. Jersey. I ain't got no reason talking like that. <laughs> <laughs> So with 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 rest, uh, you recently opened up, and you were talking about that you were open to uh, having a a female manager. Which to me, I must admit, it is is different. I never really thought of of because every time when we think of a, of a of a female, they would have a male manager, and they would the male would do all the type and hyping them up, and it kind of seemed pseudo masculine in a sense. But I, I feel like that would be a good idea uh, if you were to have a a a female valet. Who would it be, and what got your mind in your gears um, going about this brilliant idea and concept that you know never came about? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, it might come about. That's what I'm saying about that. Um, I was oh. watching. Uh, I was watching Terry Run. I was watching like a random SmackDown on two thousand SmackDown two thousand. I think it was. She was with Perry Saturn. Um, and I just thought about it. I said, "Wow, Terry was a good talent, like a good manager, especially like her Marlena run and just thinking of things like that." And then I was thinking about um, Sue Young's Susan character. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking about like I was thinking about random people. Then I was thinking about uh, Stacy Keebler's Miss Hancock character. I was thinking about like random. I don't know what I was thinking about, but I was like, why don't we ever have like a really attractive woman cheering on another woman in, in a female empowerment way, helping a woman do business? Like one woman handles the business in the ring, the other woman handles the business in the boardroom, and. Just that type of unit be represented. Mm-hmm. I thought it would just be cool. And nobody does that. And I, I would like to do that. I just have to find the perfect person because I because I feel like chemistry is key. Yes. And you can't just pick a girl to say, Hey, be my manager. You know? Right. I have to click with you. You you brought up Terry Runnels, um and a lot of people uh a lot of you know Younger fans may not remember her as Alexandra York of the York Foundation <laughs> and the one who always had the calculator and was crunching the numbers yeah. and was and was doing the you know strategizing right at the ring. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's definitely something I would love to see again someday. Well, hypothetically speaking, who would be like your dream female manager? Uh, on the Indies or just in general? Just in general. General. Uh, I would have loved Vicky Guerrero. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, that is. Vicky Guerrero. Um, me. Stephanie. Stephanie McMahon. Hmm. Oh yeah, she's really underrated as a heel. Yeah. Like people as a manager, like like her mic skills are like for women, I, top three, <laughs> debatable top three. Yeah, you can make arguments, Stephanie, top three on the mic. Like especially like she can go bar for like her AJ Lee, um, mm-hmm. 
actually, in terms of Stephanie McMahon promos, the only one who gave Stephanie a run for her money on the mic was probably AJ Lee. Jay Lee, yeah. That sounds about that's the only right person now. I can think. Of. That's the only person that I, that I've seen Stephanie in a in a promo battle with who actually gave it back to her and made sense. Oh yeah. Nothing against like Brie, nothing against like Brie Bella or any like even Melina struggled with their little interaction. Mm-hmm. And Melina is an amazing talker. No, um, not too long ago you debuted for GWS. Uh, against some high-profile names on the indies. Uh, Rita Von Storr, uh, friend of the show, Marcia Slamovic, uh, Notorious Mimi. Uh, what did you learn from that experience and, you know, go working for that company? Um, that was cool because that was something that was um, last minute and that was kind of like seized the opportunity. And I learned so much, especially like I've always wanted to wrestle Masha. Um, I always wanted to wrestle Vita. And um, literally, I've trained with Mimi our, her entire career. So that was cool to have that match and um, have that opportunity to be, especially since that was their inaugural belt. Um, that was cool. And also to make it to the final two and have the interaction with Masha was pretty dope. You should have came home with the belt, though. <laughs> I know, right? You should, we, you should have had me I come out, fly in, son, get the crowbar at the birthday. Maybe if I, <laughs> I should have stretched more. You feel me? I should have stretched more. Maybe I would have beat her. Well, I mean, it's a, a fatal four-way because there's lots of chaos in, kind of, in those kind of matches. Is it hard to, you know, tell a really good story in a fatal four-way match? Um, No. Because I feel like with a fatal four way, especially with a title on the line, you have uh, you can break it down in a certain type of way. The story is you want to be the first champion, mm-hmm. right? It's putting the, the the it's it's breaking it down that might be a little difficult, but you know your story. Yeah, I get you. You know, you know, that's what you just have to now. Now is the part that I. Yeah, now figure out is what's my story with Masha, what's my story with Mimi, what's my story with Vita, and tell those many stories in the match and put it together. And you'll see, like, over the next couple of weeks with GCW, how certain things play out, which is pretty cool. Yes, you have a question. Uh, Scooter, you have a question? Yes. Based on what you've uh, been talking about and so far, and you were into wrestling at a young age, and you always wanted to know what happened behind, uh, what happened next. You know, you seem you like you were one of the uh, few females, and I hate to say that because it shouldn't be that way, that has a potential uh, flair for the other side of the business, not just as in-ring talent. So has there ever been any consideration for pursuing a dual career in wrestling as in-ring talent and behind the scenes as a booker or promoter? I would love to one day, you know, be a promoter. Um, 
when I'm not booked on a show, if I'm just visiting, I always ask the promoter or the booker if I can sit with them and I can kind of watch how they put a show together. Um, I would love to sit in the writer's room and write or produce a show. That would be pretty dope. What, what do you kind of learn from, what did you learn, what was like the big takeaways from watching the promoters? Why things, uh, because as a fan, you sometimes don't understand, but why things happen a certain way, why matches are in a certain order, why a person goes over when they go over to lead to something else, those type of things. Hey, uh, Kaliko, you have a question? Yes. Uh, um, re I want to go back to where you were saying you felt wanted to be natural and you are your natural self and uh, one thing that came across is uh, when you you said you took off the weave and you took off the and you became your natural self, and and one thing I saw liberating about that is embracing yourself as a natural person and not weighing being weighed down with the anxiety of you know the world on you expecting especially with black women you have to look a certain way or you have to be a certain way, um, just. Elaborate on how liberating that was, because I feel like that is something that is not only prevalent or, you know, for professional wrestling, but in life in general for younger girls who, you know, and, and, young, oh. and women in general. So don't get me wrong, like I love dressing up and I love my, you know, extensions and the contacts and the makeup and I like all that. But there was a time where I felt like I needed it, mm. you know? And I felt like I, over the last year, um, especially in the pandemic, I went through a lot of stuff and my self-worth was at an all-time low. And so coming out of the pandemic and training and training again and getting back into wrestling again and just, uh, I've also done some self-discovery and self-love. And that's why when I said I took my weave off and I took my makeup off sometimes and I just was just myself, you know, the person behind me, um, Nevaeh Chantel, it felt good. It felt liberating. It's like, you know what? I don't need to walk around. You know, I'm not, you know, I don't have a booking for a while. I don't have to wear all this right now. I can just be me for a little bit before I get back to wrestling full time and got to worry about all the weave and the makeup and all that other stuff, you know? And it's just okay to just be natural for a little bit, you know what I mean? And Love myself the way I am. That's great. Uh, I just wanted to say, like, I, I want to thank you for sharing that because I, I know it takes a lot of courage um, to share it and to turn, you know, that that tribulation to a testimony. Um, so I give you a, a, a bunch of kudos, and, and you're a strong mm -hmm. woman in my book. <laughs> thank you. Um, now it appears that you have. A beef with friend of the show, Dio Ivory. Um, <laughs> you was on T10 three times, none of which ended well. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like, man. So, where does this rivalry come from? And she faced him in a match. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I mean, damn, I some think... bad boy death row shit. Yeah. <laughs> <he's> uh... <laughs> 
I think that just comes from his attitude. I, and, you know, I, I'm a techno, you know, ish type of person. So it's <laughs> like, you're going to talk your ish, but I'm going to give it back. And my attitude and my bite is a little bit more stronger. So it's fun. It's, I feel like one day it will be a world star moment between me and Theo Ivory. And, and, you know, we don't know where we want wrestling, CZW, who knows where on the Indies this will be. But uh, I don't know why the men got an idea for a place. (laughs) It'll be out Um, of this world star. Yeah. um, So, yeah, me and Theo will have to do our thing in the ring one day or, you know, one day. I mean, maybe they should do it for the culture in Tampa. Oh, put the plug in. Put the plug in. (laughs) Call AJ right now. Somebody call AJ right now. I think that would be a good spot for the culture of Tampa, WrestleMania weekend. Somebody call AJ. Call AJ. I'm available. I'll be there. I'll be there. Call AJ. See, we try to get her on the show. Let's get her on the show. Work your magic, Scooter. Uh, I, gotta, I gotta put that out there on Twitter. Maybe, maybe I get. Okay. I, I, I have Paul. I don't know if I have. If I have uh... Drop the tweet. <laughs> I'll drop it. I, I'll drop the tweet. I try. I guess. drop the tweet. You know what I mean? I'll reach. Because you know we're going to hype it up. You know we're not just going to let that match happen with no vignettes and promos and shit talking. Oh, too much, <laughs> and I and I think that would be good, especially when it consider us Florida they wilding out, but they're gonna allow fans, so hell, you might as well get the money's worth, right? Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I love how we just t- we go from interview to talking shop about, about rivalries and character <laughs> stuff and all that. Uh, Scooter, you have a question. Um, yep. Uh, well, I think we're going to go beyond wrestling here, and in my, in my research, I discovered that you were a, a you're a fan of the show Power. Yes. And I, I absolutely love Power. I love. Go, I love Ghost Book 2. My question before it was revealed, who do you originally think shot Ghost? Honestly, I thought that Tommy shot Ghost. Mm-hmm. I thought the same. Um, I thought Tommy shot Ghost, and especially like the way they set up the scenes. Like, I knew whoever, when Tommy's. Um, episode aired, I said, okay, Tommy probably didn't do it. Tariq probably did it. But leading up to uh, Tommy's episode, I really went into it thinking Tommy did it. They got into an argument. It got bad or something. Or, But honestly, I, as much as I'm a fan of the character of Ghost, if you watch that season, he had it coming. That's just- <laughs> yeah, it's true. Kalika, you have a question? You want to count? Yes, it? yes, I do. Um, word on the street: You like the song "What Dreams Are Made Of" by Hillary Duff. 
Yeah. <laughs> which, <laughs> which I mean that 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 like that's one of the odd ones that would be on a playlist. And I'm a music guy, so I always try to like yeah. you know incorporate oh, you some music. Pick, if you pick up my phone, my phone is every all over the place when it comes to music. Um, but yeah, I am a big fan of Lizzie McGuire. What dreams are made of? If it takes my street cred away, it takes my street cred away. I don't care. Hey, that's uh, my song. I, I mean, no hey, I, I, and I like Hillary that song too. It, it's currently uh, on my playlist, so we got that going for each for each other. Hey. Trust me, I, I listen to Prowlin' from Greece too. So you you ain't <laughs> <laughs> going prowl. I, I love somebody. I, Johnny just hits it, but that's a whole nother. But I I just want to know, like. They, what are some other songs that are in your your tune list that, hey, I don't say it kills your street cred, but it could kill your street Because um, we all got that one. We all got a plethora of songs that we So, know. you want to know what also is on my, my uh, playlist? Just yes. before, uh, you before you answer this, I, I just have to point this out. I have a personal connection to Lizzie McGuire, uh, the actor who played her best friend, Adam Lamberg, not Lambert, uh, La- Lan- my mother worked for, uh, with his uncle for over 20 years. Wow. Uh, yeah, um, oh God, I can't, I can't remember the name, uh, but, uh, my apologies for interrupting, I just had to get that out, uh, so, the next, so the song that also that's on my playlist is um, "I'll Make a Man Out of You," Mulan soundtrack. Let's oh, go. Mulan. That's Make my song man. that I work out to. Oh, Make a man out of you. Um, Cheetah Girls is on my playlist. Ooh. Like you pick up my phone and you'd be like, you will listen to Cardi B, Rick Ross. Uh, I mean, Aguilar, it's the craziest thing ever. Minute, I'm a is Gemini. This, I, I, it, was this the Raven I'm, Simone Cheetah Girls or the after uh, when she left? No, the Galleria version. Okay. The Galleria version. I, I assume we'd also find a lot of Demi Lovato. Yeah, you will find a lot of Demi Lovato. <laughs> See, it sounds like she was more Disney than Nick, and that's what. Yeah, yeah, definitely more <laughs> Disney than it. Um, you know, it's weird though. As a kid, though, like I was watching Cartoon Network way more than I was watching uh, Nick. Oh, cartoon! Like, I was watching like, Powerpuff Girls. Oh, I love them girls. Them girls. Bad I was watching. Power- Let me tell you, I was watching Powerpuff Girls. I was watching Dexter's Laboratory, Ooh, and me. I was watching um, Toonami. I was watching Dragon Ball Z. They're, oh, like, damn! Awesome. Didi, why are you interrupting my experiments? <laughs> so, yeah. So, they were like my... They were like, that was... And I, to this day, I, if I can go on demand and I need something to watch, I'll throw it on to this day. That's I know. I'll be there. That's all you can say. And I just like the mojo. Jojo. Mojo, jojo. Mojo, jojo. That's a running gag in high school for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, 
you you've wrestled intergender matches as well. Um, what yeah. are some of the advantages and disadvantages of wrestling a guy rather than a girl? When you wrestle a guy, I think um, I think it's empowering. But in terms of challenges, you have to be after as a performer, you have to think uh, when putting a match together how to tell the psychology different. Um, and that's one thing that I did enjoy with CZW. Um, doing it, those intergender matches has taught me how to be to think better, to think more realistic. Um, and also, like I like I don't know you guys do our research, but I'm a big China fan. So from we're gonna to get to that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah, so I I love. So for me, doing those intergender matches, I watched. I was able to relive my childhood, watch a lot of China, and uh, I didn't realize the psychology that of what China was doing back then. Because of course, you're a kid, you're just watching it, and oh my god, this big strong woman, she's beating up all these guys. Right. But then when I got a chance to get in the like rewatch it, I was like, oh wow, they did this and they did like you you because they would pick it apart. Um, and it taught me how to do intergender matches in a way that's entertaining and empowering. Empowering, and um, I don't know. I guess in terms of disadvantages of an intergender match, it's is thinking an intergender match. An intergender match has to have a disadvantage. <laughs> it's just an opponent. It's you versus another person. Drop the gender. Actually, love that answer. Uh, and. That actually answers a follow-up. And I had, should gender lines in wrestling be erased to essentially create one division where in-ring ability is the only thing that matters as opposed to chromosomes? Um, see, I don't necessarily think, I do think that there can be um, inter-promotional, like intergender matches. I think the division lines, to me, represents something like UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of a sports aspect, like yes, Amanda Nunez can bang with probably some of the top pound for pound fighters in the world. Oh yeah, she got hands. Right. So like, but in terms of her, but she still has her division. Right. She's still, you know what I mean. So um, I, I think you can still have gender lines, but don't don't bring us like we still are of money value. We're not. A cliche. What's the word I'm looking for? We're not a niche. A, 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 a sideshow. Cliche. Yeah. An attraction. Like, you can. Yeah, we're not a special attraction anymore. Yeah. You know, especially if now that you watch wrestling, some of the women can hold just as much weight as the guys in terms of making money for the business. I have a, a bit of a follow up question. Uh, you kind of answered it, but. Um, uh, up in Maine for Limitless Wrestling, um, it seems like they're going more of the route for of uh, one single championship that uh, all genders could wrestle for. Is that something that interests you, or would you rather it be one uh, men's championship and one women's championship? Um, I I like the idea of intergender championship. Um. Yeah, you can have like women's titles and you know male titles, but I do like the idea also of a title that uh, intergender title. 
I believe there's a place for both. Interesting. And what about uh, you, Kalika? Do you have a question? She done took my China question. I'm just going <laughs> to like, man. I, you can ask me the China question. Hurt my soul, but you had no problem. I promise that I seen a couple of them. You had no problem tossing them dudes around like rag dolls. So I know you'll toss my little ass somewhere, so uh, all <laughs> somewhere. So, uh, dang it, I do have a question, but I feel like I feel like the question is going to tie into one of our eight questions of doom. So that's why I'm going to hold off right. on that question. All right, well, here's just a, a fun question. Uh, pineapple on pizza, what's your stance? Absolutely not. No? About time. <laughs> no. I've got, I've got into an argument with people about this. No. <laughs> no. No. Like, I was at a show, and I got into an argument with somebody and said, no. <laughs> just not. Nah. Not even though. Nah. Nah. It's like, you know what's funny? I was like, you're Italian. Why are you putting pineapple on your pizza? Oh, you be. Oh, <laughs> man. Goddamn. Literally, like, and it was fun. It was funny, and I don't understand it. I will yell at anybody who puts pineapple on their pizza because I just don't understand that. I thought the pineapple my pizza. No, that's not okay. <laughs> It kind of seems like that discussion about pineapple on pizza kind of turned into a rivalry. Did that? Did that ever go into your match? Um, no. <laughs> but if it would have, if we, if they would have told me that before they before we wrestled, everything would have been stiff. So the pizza don't go <laughs> fucking pineapples and just eating it. Right? What? Well, you yeah, know, oh God. Yeah, that's great. Oh, no, I do chicks. have one. I got, I got one more. I got one question because she, you know, Jersey, New York, you know what I'm saying? Top, your top five female rappers are no order. No order. No order. All right. Lil Kim. Lil Kim. Um, Trina. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um. Who else do I want to throw in there? Remy? I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Trina, uh, Kim, Remy. Um, oh, I feel like I'm going to kick myself if I forget. Um, you can throw Cardi in there, but I, I, I put Cardi in there, but, uh, I go back and forth because as much as I love Cardi, Cardi sometimes, compared to the other three I've said, don't can't really go bar for bar. Right. Um, She's interchangeable. Yeah. Uh, and then if I had to throw one more in there, Nikki. Ooh. So who wasn't a Nikki Remy feud to you? Um, to be honest, with Nick, Nick uh, Remy killed her. But I think always because. Nikki's a better, bigger star. Everybody's going to be kind of on Nikki. But uh, if Sheether was a complete destroy, like, yes. if I felt like if, Remy, if more people was Remy fans, people would kind of understand bar for bar Remy 
Remy destroyed her on Sheether. I feel like Remy's like one of those. Uh, she's big, but not big. Right when she was getting there, that's when she had the jail stint. But I'm surprised you didn't put Lauren. I didn't. I'm surprised you didn't put Lauren Hill, Jersey's own. Um, I do, she but can, let me she, tell you, she got Lauren, bars. She does, but what happened with Lauren was like I grew up more on Little Kim. So anywhere oh, around the A side, B side, usually the conscious or hood shit. Okay, I got it. I yeah. got you. I got so I was more on Kim <laughs> than I was on Lauren Hill. Like, but you know who I forgot to put on there? Who definitely can go? Missy Elliott. Elliot, Missy. I was about to say that. Like, the only reason I wouldn't put Missy on that is because it's a top five. Because I feel like she's her own planet. Like true. Just from just from a sonic, like just not only musically, but just the aura of her is just like she's she's on a whole another planet. It just reminds me right. when you put Missy Elliott. When someone said Missy Elliott. They were like, uh, and also she, and another one that doesn't uh-huh. get because she was a group. Lisa left by Lopez. Oh yeah. Lisa, yeah, Lisa had her bars too. See, there you go. See, so I got some female rap. There we go. Where I, where I first learned the word vernacular was in No Scrubs. Really? <laughs> I I heard of the word, but I think that's the first time anybody ever actually used it in a, in, in in lyrics and that that specific those specific bars made. Yeah, it made her stand out, and this is from me as a, a teenager. Uh, that that album that you know essentially reinvigorating Kielsey's career. Probably you can probably call it the yeah the defining album, one of the defining albums of of my generation. Right, but you know, I also like I like I like Meg, I like Megan Thee Stallion, I like uh I like Renny Rucci, Renny Rucci's dope. I like there's a lot of good rap female rappers coming up. That in a couple of years, you guys are gonna know like oh snap, female rap- female rapping. I feel like female rappers go through the same stuff as female wrestlers. Wrestlers, yep, yeah, because I. I'm from the South, so there were two female rappers that I knew that could go bar for bar with anybody, and it was uh, Gangsta Boo from 3-6 Mafia and Mia X, who was with the No Limit Soldiers. I felt like those two women were like flow stylistically, lyrically, they could they could just go. It just never, it never blossomed for some odd reason with those two. Right. And it's just like, ugh, you know, especially me, because I had I had that game boo on, on my CD. I had to hide that from my mama because she was on some raunchy Oh, shit. no. I felt, <laughs> and it's, it is criminal. I forgot to say this one. Eve. Oh, Eve. Yeah, Philly. Mm. Philly Eve. Yeah. Yes. Eve. Eve. See, I, that's why I said no order, no no, no particular order because people will get mad when you put one over the other. <laughs> oh, my God. You put Cardi B for Eve. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, you have a question? So you're a self-professed video gamer. Uh, you see, you're a fan of uh, you know, the Telltale games like Wolf Among Us. Um, what's your preferred genre, and what are you currently playing, if any, right now? 
All right, so I think put me in the gamer category. I, I'm not a he- as much as a kid. I was a heavy gamer. Right now, I'm still playing GTA. Like I don't know. I'm still playing. Like I talk one every couple of weeks on my Twitter. I will complain about how I hate GTA, but I still play it. Um, of course. Yeah. So uh, I like Matt and I play UFC. You play Madden. Um, that's the jersey, Madden, not Madden. Madden. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still play. Uh, what else do I? Play? I still play like wrestling games. Um. So yeah. MK. So. I saw you. I saw you. I saw the MK Katana reference. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Mortal Kombat. Growing up, Mortal Kombat and Tekken was my games. Oh God! So yeah. I want to know who the Tekken guy. I'm assuming. Eddie Guardo, Eddie, Jen. Oh, Jen, Jen and Nina were my my goals. Jen and Nina, and I don't know if you ever saw the Tekken motion picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watch. I still watch that to this day. <laughs> I'm very basic. <laughs> I'm uh, like, I don't think that's basic. Cool. I think that's it's not basic. No. I, well. I I think I have one final uh, follow-up before we can move into the next segment, and that's being from Jersey. Has anyone ever asked you which exit? Yes. Oh, yeah, because North and South Jersey, yes. It's a totally different world. So I live in South Jersey. I live five minutes away from Philly. Um... Oh, yeah. So, Patrick, I live, yeah. So, I live like Atlantic City. I'm down here, like, I'm but over the last two years, I've been going to New York a lot to wrestling, right? So, I now know North Jersey exists. So, it's like, <laughs> and it's weird because I was like, one day, I don't know if I want to move into New York. But I definitely want to move to North Jersey now because I love like the scenery. Oh yeah, uh, right, oh. right across from the state. Yeah, yeah. Great. So, well, yeah. Uh, you uh, you worked for you did some work for VPW. Uh, you ever work for uh, VPW again? You have a place to say because my sister lives literally right down the block, and my nephew now works for VPW. So, <laughs> invitation extended. Thank you. I love VPW. That's a really good promotion. Man, I drove through Jersey. It felt like forever. It felt, yeah. it felt longer driving through Jersey than the uh, Pennsylvania. Really? <laughs> to me. You got to drive it at night, though. That's oh, I drove it during the day Jersey. into the night. I got to, it was when I went to Mania. It was like, man. Oh, no. Nah. All right. And it is once again time for that segment. Maria Chantel's Bizarre Adventure. You are a pro wrestler that goes down and up the roads, and weird, crazy, and bizarre things are bound to happen. Can you maybe tell us a story that fits that description? Oh, wow. The craziest stories in wrestling for me? Yes. Ooh, that I'm allowed to say on TV. <laughs> that I'm allowed to repeat. 
<laughs> oh, I mean, we ain't oh censored. Unsullied by by sponsors. Oh. You can do whatever you want. Oh, boy. I mean, this, this will be audio only, so I, you have yeah. to worry. Uh, um, okay, so let's talk. I think she set up. She ready. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> the craziest stuff in wrestling. Oof. Oh my god! I have so many stories. I don't even know where to start. All right, so I'm not gonna say promotions because I can't. Fair enough. Okay, I was at a promotion. Um. And I had some extracurricular activities. I was not wrestling on this show. I was there just as a guest. Okay. And I partaked in some extracurricular activities. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, <laughs> and while my head was in the sky, you know, like it was me and a group right of. <laughs> um. I missed my Greyhound home. Oh, 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 God. Oh, God. Greyhound. Oh, home. I see. <laughs> I'm okay. Oh, I've been on this Greyhound. They don't stop it. Bro, when um, you miss a Greyhound, you there for like three days. Like, shit. Well, well, no. Thankfully, like another wrestler took me in. But it does it, it does have a happy ending because I got, a, got an opportunity to wrestle for a championship the next night. That I wasn't supposed to wrestle for, but I had my gear and a bag with me, and I got an opportunity to wrestle. <laughs> so it did end up right. I did. That was my second opportunity ch- ever challenging for a title, and it was the night after I got high. They <laughs> missed that greyhound. Because oh, they already knew. They already knew. They were like, "Man, you missed that greyhound. You'll be here for a whole another week. You got <laughs> right. what you doing tomorrow?" <laughs> Um, I have so many other stories. Uh, so I got into okay. So then another one can't tell you the promotion or the person. Cool. I literally almost got into a fight with before the match. Shoot. Um, and um, the promoter yelled at us. I thought we would never wrestle again. <laughs> um, the girl, this girl had a bad day. And uh, I was scared the whole time because I literally, I was like, oh, snap. I'm never going to wrestle again. This girl's, I'm yelling, having an argument with this other wrestler. This promoter probably thinks I'm crazy. So we had that situation. And another situation is my tag partner jumped out of a car. Oh, my God. Trying to make a spot. Yeah, it wasn't me. I was a part of it. She had to make, she, uh, so I wrestled uh, Gabby Ortiz. And um, I remember my tag partner jumping out of a car because she had to make the end of my match for a spot. She comes in with her hand bleeding and I'm yelling (laughs) and screaming at her. I'm like, I wanted you on time, but I didn't want your hand bleeding or you jumping out of a car. So that was, uh, there were some, I don't feel like I don't have crazy stories. I just have to find myself in a situation where I'm like, 
if I wasn't drunk or high, I probably wouldn't have got into. Or <laughs> I mean, ninety nine percent of the world right now, <laughs> right? Or just life just gets just life just fucks with me. I'll leave that out. Sorry, I didn't mean... no, no, you're fine. Eh, it's audio. We don't care because we got our guy. <laughs> right. We got our guy forgetting how to inhale. But <laughs> I'm just gonna put this. Because it's either that or it's this. So, what the hell? <laughs> size, size matters. That's cigar. Now, uh, uh, on a more serious note, where do you see yourself in five years? Sorry. Huh? Sorry. I'm working sign. for AW, AW Impact WWE. I will be signed. Right. Now, now you, I've heard that you're manifesting uh, ambitions even sooner than that. What is your goal for within a year? My first championship. Mm. Interesting. You know, uh, not not putting ourselves over here, but not too long ago we had a, a goal on. Um, and one month later, she won her first championship. So, you know, not to say that we're maybe a little bit of good luck, but, you know, you yeah. never know. Also, the fact that, you know, a couple of weeks after being on our show, a certain female wrestler was on AEW Dark. This is true as well. Well, those are the things that right now, like, you know... Well, it will happen for me one way or another. Oh, absolutely. That's what I'm about. That. And I will I guess it's that, uh, it's that cheesy phrase that everybody wants to say about being undeniable. So, yeah, I'm not, you know, that will happen for me. Hypothetically speaking, if you were to work with Impact Wrestling, would you wrestle Nevaeh? And a stairway to Nevaeh match. Loser has to give up the name Nevaeh. <laughs> I would. We have to fight for the name. We have to, like, it has to happen. We have to fight for the name. Yes. We need white staircases, the flog. <laughs> we need all that. Yeah, it, man. It would, have to be, it would have to be a Yariast at Nevaeh. Patch. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't believe you actually figured that out in your head. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Scooter, Kaliko, you have uh, one more question before we uh, we almost conclude this? Uh, hmm. All right. Really quickly, we've heard that you're tech savvy. Alienware or racist? Alienware. Right answer. <laughs> That's right. Kaliko? <laughs> See, we'll end it on that note. Alright. Uh, and what is a match or opponent that people should go out of their way to see that best shows off what Nevea is all about? I really enjoyed my match with Karen Bam Bam for Victus. Huh? I felt like that 
was the beginning of the new Nadea Chantel that I want to present for the rest of the year. And uh, also, there's there's another match of yours in our research that gets talked about a lot. Your match against Corinne Mink for uh, in, uh, for UPWA. Mm-hmm. As well. I've never seen that match. You have that match? I've seen I've seen a match of yours with Corinne Mink, but it was for BWF. Okay, yeah. I must say the UPWA match out of the three matches I've had with Corinne Mink is my favorite. The UPWA one is my favorite. Sound like somebody need to be getting some tapes. I know. <laughs> they I need to surrender the tapes. Surrender the tapes. Yeah, give me the tapes. I I <laughs> That's like my one of my favorite out of the three, and like I want that match so bad. And we are nearing the conclusion of this interview, so we are wrestling with the eight questions of Doom. No actual Doom will be incurred. Okay, thank you. This is <laughs> our speed round, our bonus round. I'm going to list off eight questions, and you answer them the best of your ability. Are you ready? Okay. Excluding yourself, greatest wrestler of all time. Ric Flair. Worst wrestler of all time. Worst wrestler of all time. Eva Murray. Yes. <laughs> I believe the second time we have heard uh, this is her name. That question. She's beautiful, though. Yeah, yeah but, like, you know, that's what you could do in the ring, right? Once the bell rings. Once the bell rings, thank you. Your main event in <laughs> WrestleMania for the Women's Championship, who is your opponent? Charlotte Flair. All right. If you could come out to anyone's entrance music, past or present, who would it be? Hermina. Oh, I thought it would have been Thugonomics. <laughs> See, that's why I... I... <laughs> Say you're untouchable. Finish the sentence. Kayfabe is... Hmm. Where did it go, though? I don't know, but it did. There's no such thing as kayfabe anymore. I, I, I don't know what happened. No, I do, I do know what happened. Twitter happened, and everybody wants to be a journalist now. And there's no secrets in the business anymore because everybody's talking their frustrations to these Twitter people, and. Yeah. There's no key. Drake, it goes from Twitter trigger fingers turn to Twitter fingers. Exactly. (laughs) Next question. Squash. Fruit or vegetable? Vegetable. I told y'all. Hey, man. Hey, hey. It's actually a fruit. We've been telling y'all this, man. Yes. Been telling y'all this. But you you got something better today. You are in good graces with Coleco Yachts. 
the leader of Squaw Squad. So that is maybe something better. <laughs> hey, man, like I said, I ain't never seen squash and free salad. <laughs> One day. Um, New Japan wrestler Tai Chi, his ring gear gets smaller every year. We really more of himself to the world. My question, what is the appropriate trunks to butt cheek ratio for ring gear? Oh, I, uh, whatever you're comfortable with. I have had my own person, like, I don't, I've had a lot of ash cheeks out in my matches before, so I can't judge. So, whatever you're comfortable with is your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and last question the main event the thing everybody wants to know have you ever had a conversation with a stranger in a supermarket about Darby Allen no and that is the correct answer <laughs> she's and like that, what <laughs> And that will conclude our interview with Nevaeh Chantel. Thank you so much for coming on. And where can we find you on social media once again? Nevaeh Chantel, all social media platforms. All right. And until then, you could find, um, well, actually, next week we have uh, Brayden Lee on the show. And until then, you could follow us on uh, our Saturday show on YouTube and CastBox. And every, you could find all of us on social media as well, uh, at Wrestling with E on uh, Twitter for everything wrestling with entertainment related. Um, you can find me at JamesJ993. Where can they find Kalika Yachts? You're about to destroy my nephew over his homework, and I am Kalika. <laughs> Where can they find Scooter Dust? You can, of course, always find me underneath your bed and in your closet. Your carpet looks lovely. But if you find me on social media, at Scooter Dust on Twitter, and holding it down for the UNB network at UNBS Wrestling. For Kaliko Yacht, for a very special guest, Nevea Chantel, Kaliko Yacht, Scooter Dust, I'm James Shade, and this has been Wrestling with Entertainment.